discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. A very good evening to all of us, wherever we find ourselves in the world watching. I want to welcome you to our very first conference together in a year of supernatural accomplishment. I think the last time I met you all like this was on 31st. And uh, this evening I have the honor and privilege of coming to you once again um, with a conference we have dubbed Sons of Consolation Conference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And... Uh, I know you know where these verses are found. Uh, it's found in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4 from verse 31. Let's read it. Acts chapter 4 from verse 31. Yeah. A few things that are said over there. I want us to read it. And then we'll continue. He says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as the possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the county of Cyprus. So this, this is where it comes from, isn't it? Yeah. So let me, read, let me read this verse once again. Verse 36, it says, and Joseph, who by the apostles was sending Barnabas, which is being interpreted, the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, verse 37, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Next verse. Then he goes on and on and on. Hallelujah. So the phrase, sons of consolation, was, uh, um, was a name that was given to Barnabas, okay? Barnabas means son, son of consolation. And uh, he was originally called Joseph. But we don't even know that he's called Joseph. Do you know that he's called Joseph? We all know Barnabas. Because that was the name that the apostles gave to him. And he means son of consolation. His giving brought consolation to the apostles. It brought peace. You know, people were giving, but then it was, as they were giving, it was being redistributed you know, among the saints because there was, there was some poverty around and they were trying to uh, sort out the issues that people had. 
you see? And then Barnabas comes in. The Bible says he had a piece of land, very costly, and sold it and laid it at the apostles' feet. And he brought consolation to the apostles to the point that they called and they decided to call him Barnabas, son of consolation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this evening we are having some sort of consolation conference and you are participating because you are a son of consolation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's a prophetic um, declaration concerning your life that you, that you are a son and a daughter of consolation. If you are watching me right now, uh, then you are a son of consolation. All love economy church members are sons and daughters of consolation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want to start off by, first of all, congratulating you for um, last year's seed sowing conference that we had. I think we did extremely well. Wow. I want us to clap for ourselves and congratulate ourselves. That is why uh, we are having this conference to encourage you some more and to help you in preparing for the next one. So this conference is to help us prepare for the next one. You know, most of us don't, most of us do it, but then we don't really understand what it is. So I'm taking some time off to help you um, understand what you do and also um, understand why we do what we do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this evening I'm going to start, it's today and tomorrow, so I'm going to start off from somewhere, I'll end somewhere, and then tomorrow we'll continue. You know, like I said, last year we did so well. Our giving helped us finish um, the, the construction that we had to a very good point. That was what we had at 31st service. If you are wondering what we had at 31st service, we had it in that beautiful auditorium. I'm just looking at it right now. You know, it's, it's wonderful. And the speed with which it was done was just remarkable, all because of your giving. And uh, we're able to do other things, so many other things as well. We were able to buy a very expensive land in a very expensive neighborhood in Kumase, um, Atasumanso, if you, don't, if, if you know what I'm talking about. Very expensive, lands are very expensive, but we're able to buy it very easily without blinking an eye, you know, because of our giving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So tonight I want to just um, spend some time showing you a few scriptures that um, will help you some more to understand why we do what we do, why we sow, we have a seed sowing day, and uh, why we expect you to prepare along a certain line towards it. So this conference is in preparation for our seed sowing day, which for this year is happening on 1st August. Okay, 1st August 2021. Um, that's, that's our seed sowing day, so you can write it down and start preparing towards it. So these um, words I'm going to share with you, like I said, is, in, is, in, uh, is an attempt to help you understand it some more. Hallelujah. So I know I'm addressing every single church member, every single um, church member in Love Economy Church. And uh, I know you're all paying attention. Now I want to start from First Samuel chapter 1 from verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1 from verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramathim Zophim. Wow. We should have areas in, in the country with this name. Hallelujah. When they ask you, where do you live? You say, Ramathim. Hey, what a shock. Of Mount Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephratite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, 
the priests of the Lord were there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What I want you to focus on is verse 3. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. He went yearly to sacrifice, to worship, and also to sacrifice. So we have um, this time in our church where we come to come and worship God with our sacrifice, with our yearly sacrifice. If you jump to verse 21, same book, same chapter, but now verse 21. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. So Elkanah um, was an Israelite. And in Israel, it was allowed that you come to come and give your yearly sacrifice and your yearly vow, which is your yearly sacrifice. So you vow to the Lord that I'm going to give this to you. And then you come and come and give it. If you read in Deuteronomy, you see some of these things written there or spoken of by, by God. Let's, let's read um, Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16. Let's read from verse 15 so that it makes more sense. Okay, This is God talking to, to Moses and uh, Moses relating it to the children of Israel. He says, seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord. Thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose. So God chooses places for us to worship. That is why uh, even though we have Christ in us, and even though we have the Holy Ghost in us, and the Holy Ghost teaches us all things like you have in the Bible, we still have a place where we go to to be thought. A place where we go to to give our sacrifice, give our offerings, give our uh, assemble together. It's, it was designed by God in the Old Testament, and it's continued up to date. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it says, seven days thou shalt keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase and in all the works of thine hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. So you appear rejoicing. Then it says three times in a year, in this portion of the Bible, he mentions three times. It says three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose. Why was he referring to males only? Because at that time it was only males that were counted at that time. So if you've read your Bible very carefully, you will see that they always counted the men. And they always mentioned the men. If you look at the, the generations of Adam, you realize they don't mention the names of the ladies. Not because there were no ladies there. There were ladies there. But it was a culture that was there at that time that ladies were not mentioned. Please, you understand? For instance, some people have a very wild theory concerning where Cain got his wife. In Genesis chapter 4. Cain married one of his sisters. The ladies were not mentioned. So in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, when Cain was born, uh, Eve said something. Eve said, at long last, I have a male child from the Lord. That's what Eve said, Genesis 4, 1. And Adam knew Eve's wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. The ISV says that I, have, I now have a male child from the Lord, meaning that she had other children. She had female children, but finally she had gotten a male child. Please, you understand? So... Cain married, for instance, if you go down, if you, if you want to see it, you realize that there's no mention of a lady. The only lady that has been mentioned is Eve. Then all of a sudden, uh, Cain knows his wife and gives birth to a son. So how did he, what wife did he have? This is verse, 14, verse 17. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived them bearing up. So some people say that there were other, there was another creation by, of God somewhere else. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. I'm, I've just explained it to you. Hallelujah. There was absolutely nothing like that. Cain married one of his sisters. Okay? Please, do you understand what I'm saying? So go back to 
Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16, he says, Three times in a year shall all thy meals appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of unleavened bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles. Three feasts. Feast of unleavened bread, feast of tabernacles, and then feast of what? Weeks. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Have you seen it? He says they shall not appear before, as they are coming to this particular, these services, these three very important services in the year, they shall not appear before the Lord empty. I mean, that God does not expect you to come to him empty. He expects you to come to him with something. Wow. Wow. God has expectations of you, of us. He wants us to come with something in our hands. Makes no difference whether you're a pastor or not. The pastor is blessed by his giving. He's not blessed by his taking or receiving. I am blessed not because uh, I just receive, but I'm blessed because I give. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I've made attempts to train all of us to be givers. And this is an attempt to even train us some more to have our minds on that particular aspect of our lives, which is so important and hence influences every other aspect as well. He told them, three times shall you appear, and you shall not appear before the Lord empty. Verse 17. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he has given thee. Every man shall give as he is able. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul mentions a similar thing. Look up 2 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 1. For as touching the ministry to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. He says, when it comes to giving to the saints, there's a giving that we are going to do. But when it comes to that, it's, it's superfluous. Let's read. I don't know if you understand superfluous. I don't think you do. Let's read in the Amplified. Now about the offering that is to be made for the saints, God's people in Jerusalem. It is quite superfluous that I should write unto you. This one to say superfluous. Let's see if message you say something else. If I wrote any more on this relief offering for the poor Christians, I'd be repeating myself. In other words, I've been writing, I've been saying this to you. All that is superfluous means that I've been saying it not once, not twice. I've said it so many times. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he prepared their minds. He said so many things. Is there another version that says something else? He prepared their minds for this particular all-important offering. So there's an all-important offering that your mind needs to be prepared for. That you need to prepare for. I'm saying it. Look at the next verse. Uh, This is what BB says. But there's no need for me to say anything in my letter about the giving to the saints. Next verse. Verse 2. For I have before made clear to those of Macedonia my pride in your ready mind. Saying to them that Achaia has been ready for a year back. So they had prepared a year. They had spent one year preparing to give this particular offering. That is why I tell you to prepare a year to give what you are going to give on that particular time. So we are not just saying something from our stomachs. We are saying something that is scriptural. Do you see? Then he says, saying to them that Achaia has been ready for a year back. And a great number have been moved to do the same by your example. In other words, the church in Achaia has been, was doing it. So it ended up affecting other churches. Other people wanted to do the same thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse, verse 3. But I have sent the brothers so that the good things we said about you may be seen to be true. And that as I said, you may be ready. So I'm talking to you now to help your mind to be ready for this all important thing that we are going to be doing on 1st August. Do you see? It's called a yearly sacrifice. It's given once a year. Elkanah did it. The Church of Israel did it. Once a year. David did it. There are so many places I can show you. 
They came once in a year. Some, in some places it was three times a year. And they prepared their seed to come and give to the Lord. He says, as the Lord has blessed you. As the Lord has what? Blessed you. Look at the next verse. Verse 4. For fear that if any from Macedonia come with me and you are not ready, we, not to say you, might be put to shame in this thing. He says, I don't want to be put to shame when it comes to this giving that I'm, I've started talking about you to every other person. I've started boasting about you to every other person that you guys have been ready for a year. So I'm sending these guys to come and come and check if truly your seed is ready. Because I don't want to come, I don't want to bring one of these guys from these other churches and then when I come, you are giving something so small that it makes it obvious that you have not been ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you in the church? For fear that if any form, any from Macedonia come with me and you are not ready, we, not to say you, might be put to shame in this thing. Next verse. So it seemed to me wise for the brothers to go before and see that the amount which you had undertaken to give was ready. Meaning that there was an amount they undertook to give a year prior to this particular time. Are you surprised that these things are in the Bible? <laughs> Let me read it again. So it seemed to me wise for the brothers to go before and see that the amount which you had undertaken to give was ready so that it might be a cause for praise and not as if we were making profit out of you. He says, I want you to prepare well so that it's not like we are not coming to coerce you. And try to say some things on a certain day. Say some things in three days. Tell you to go and sell your father's car. And come and come and give. No, we want you to prepare. It is important to prepare this particular seed. To give. You save for it. That's what he's trying to let you know. Go to chapter 16. First Corinthians chapter 16 verse 1. Keep your finger here. Let's go to First Corinthians 16 verse 1. Do you like what I'm telling you? Now about the giving of money for the saints. As I gave orders to the churches of Galatia. So do you. Have you seen it? He says, I gave instructions concerning this particular giving. And I want you, I said it in Galatia, I want you in Corinth to also do the same thing. Next verse. On the first day of the week, let every one of you put by him in store. In measure as he has done well in business. So that it may not be necessary to get money together when I come. He says, I don't want that day to be the day when you start preparing. Prior to now, some of you have not understood what you've been doing. Most of our members have not understood. So you realize that uh, two days before then, people are now looking for a seed to give. And we have to console ourselves with, he gives seed to the sower. So the Lord will give you seed. No, he wants, this kind of seed is not supposed to be, to be like that. He wants you to prepare for it. He wants you to make a conscious effort to prepare for this particular thing. Sorry? He wants to give you seed much, 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 much earlier and put in store. In preparation for this particular thing, because it is all important, it is so important. It is too important for his house and for your benefit. There are things God would want to achieve. There are things God would want to accomplish in the course of a year with a, with a particular ministry. And he depends on his people to sponsor it. God does not look for sponsors outside of his church to do anything. He looks for sponsors from his church to do what he wants done. Please, you understand. So don't think that someone else is going to walk from somewhere and come and give us a million dollars. No. We are the ones to give that one million dollars. Are you in the church? Yeah. So just lay in store. Be as generous as you can. Every Sunday, this is what message. Every Sunday, each of you make an offering and put it in a safe, in safekeeping. You see, every Sunday, every Thursday of the week, put it down because you'd have worked for the previous week. Save something. 
Be as generous as you can. When I get there, you will have it ready. And I won't have to make a special appeal. But it's not a special appeal. This is a seed that has been prepared over a period with a certain mindset that I'm going to give lavishly to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember, in Acts chapter 4, where we started, we began with. Go back to that place. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Remember, we started reading from verse 31, isn't it? Now, I want you to jump to verse 34. Acts chapter 4, verse 34. It says, neither was there any among them. Okay, let's read from verse 31. I think it will make more sense. Let me explain a few things to you, okay? It says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. This was at a time when the gospel was threatened. The gospel that they were preaching was threatened. Peter and, and John had prayed for an input, a man who was impotent in his feet for many years. Since birth, they had prayed for him and a man had been healed. And the healing had brought so many people into the house of God. 5,000 people gave their lives to Christ because of that healing. Now, when the Sanhedrin saw what had happened, when the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the rulers of the synagogue saw what had happened, they took Peter and John and warned them strictly that they should not preach in the name of Jesus Christ again. They asked them, by what name did you do this miracle? Then Peter, the Bible says, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost, spake to them, and said so many things, including the fact that there's no name given under heaven whereby we must be saved apart from Jesus' name. He said so many powerful things. And they warned them that, brothers and brothers, if you preach in this name again, you are dead. So they went to their own company. Their gospel was at, was at risk. It was going to end with them if they don't do anything about it. The first thing they did was to pray. They went, they went together, came together. The Bible says they prayed, they spoke in tongues. And as they spoke in tongues, they spoke in tongues telling God that we want to preach your gospel. So stretch forth your hands and do miracles, signs and wonders. Let some great things happen through the name of your holy child, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that when they prayed, the whole place where they were was shaken. They were filled with the Spirit. And this, this is it, verse 31. It says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. A supernatural accomplishment. A su supernatural thing happened. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. The whole place shook. And they were filled with boldness. And preached the word of God with boldness. Now, look at the next verse. Look at the things that happened as a result of this supernatural thing that happened with them. The influence of the spirit that came with that supernatural occurrence of the place shaking. Next verse. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart. This is the first thing that happened after they received boldness to preach the gospel. The first thing that happened after that was that they were all of one heart. They were all, it says, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Now, we are talking about, about 7,000 people because the first time they preached, 2,000 people gave their lives to Christ. They were 120 earlier. 2,000 people gave their lives to Christ. The next time we see them preaching like that, 5,000 people were added. That makes it 7,120 people. So you have 7,120 people who had one mind and who had one heart, united for one purpose. So the Bible says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that out of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. So they reunited concerning making sure the gospel was going to move. And that nothing was going to prevent it. No financial difficulty was going to become a stumbling block for them. Are you in the church? They decided that we are going to unite behind each other and make sure that we don't lose anybody through financial crisis. Look at the next verse. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. Now, every time he mentions great grace or an infilling of the spirit, he always talk about, talks about something financial. In other words, it has a direct impact on the finances of the people. So this year is a year of supernatural accomplishment. It has a direct impact on our finances. 
Look at your next verse. Neither was there any among them that lacked. You see, with great grace, the apostles gave witness of the gospel. Then it says, and there was none of them among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. Who can tell someone to sell his things? It takes the ministry of the Holy Ghost to cause people to do such things. So one of the evidences of the influence of the Spirit is your ability to give. Grace, the grace of God. Remember, he says that when you give, he gives you grace. All grace. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. I don't know if you've read it before. Okay, let's read 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Verse 7. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. So after you have given, you receive all grace to even do more. Can you imagine? So you can't say you are full of the Holy Ghost without it impacting your financial life. So this year, you should be expecting some very wild financial increase. And he says that as you are increasing financially, start storing. Start storing to to move to the next level. Now, remember, go back to Acts chapter 4. Now, go to verse 33. 32. Go to verse 32. This is so important. I want to focus on this particular verse today. Then tomorrow, go to the next verses. Okay? He says, and the multitude of them, all of them, not one, not two, not the leaders, all of them. You know, prior to what to today, most of our, our topmost givers have been leaders. Because like the leaders have a certain kind of understanding. They have a certain mindset. Do you see? But it's not, the church is not for leaders. No. Love economy is not just leaders. Love economy church is bigger than leaders. It's more than us. More than leaders. Now, because the leaders have a certain mindset, they give lavishly. I mean, leaders will do whatever it takes to give. Do you see? It's because of the mindset that we have. What is the mindset? What's the, what, what mindset do we have? We have a mindset of making sure the gospel does not end with us. We have a mindset of pushing the gospel. No matter what, this gospel must move forward. The message we are preaching must go to the next level. The message we are preaching must get to another person, get to the next person. If we have to make sure a church is built somewhere, we'll make sure it's built. If we have to make sure that a church is rented, a church building is rented somewhere, we'll make sure it's rented. All these things take money. So we have a heart, we have a mindset to unite behind the gospel and make sure the gospel is preached and is not prevented in any way, especially financially speaking. The gospel must be oiled. The wheels of the gospel must be oiled. He says, my cities through prosperity shall be spread abroad. Have you read that scripture before? Look for it and put it there. My cities through prosperity shall be spread abroad. The, the gospel cannot go without prosperity. It's not possible. It's not possible. Do you know we have, we have, we have been, now we've been able to employ pastors in the church. All the pastors we have had prior to this time have been lay ministers. We have had over a hundred pastors and they are all, they were all lay. They were all tent ministers. They work during the day and work for the Lord in the evening. They work for Babylon in the day and work for the Lord in the evening. But now, because we are increasing financially, we've been able to employ people. We are paying SNITs, taxes, and all of those things for them to make sure everything is fine with them so that they can focus on spreading the gospel. They all have a, they all have a target of a thousand, a, a minimum of a thousand in the next five years. Having a thousand people in their churches. Minimum of a thousand people in their churches. And we have a plan of building for all of them. How are these things going to work if we don't have money to get some things done? There's no organization that can move from one level of glory to another without financial in- increase. There's none. Hallelujah. So we have a mind. We have a mindset of making sure the gospel gets to the next place and making sure we can do more than we're doing before. And I want everybody to have that mindset. All of us are together because of Jesus Christ. 
We are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the gospel of Pastor Tio or any other person. We are preaching Christ. What is our vision? We say we are making Christ the center of the world, isn't it? Is that what we are doing? We say we are dispensing Christ with love. Did you hear we are dispensing Pastor Tio with love? We are dispensing Jesus Christ with love. So it's about Jesus and about his words. Getting to every, we believe. I'm a staunch believer that the gospel can change a man's life. I'm a staunch believer of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, downwards. I'm, I believe in it, that it can happen. That the church can be built. That people can come to the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ. I believe that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that vision is burning in our hearts. Because we have a certain kind of understanding concerning the vision, which is basically spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world. Through soul winning, soul building, and soul establishment, and sending. Okay? We, we've, we give in support to make sure that happens. If I ask how many leaders are, are sitting here, I'll get so many. Because of the leaders have caught on to it. Now, every church member. So if your church member is not watching this video, when we finish, take it and go and give it to the person. And sit by the person and make sure the person is listening to it. Because you need to catch it. I don't want leaders to prosper and the members are not prospering. It's not supposed to be like that. The church is not a leadership. The church is more than, a, than leaders. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at this, Zechariah chapter 1, verse 17. He says, Christ saying, that's here the Lord of hosts. My cities, this is the Lord talking, my cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion and shall yet choose Jerusalem. Have you seen it? My cities through what? Prosperity. prosperity. It's so important. Without prosperity, you cannot go to the next place. Without prosperity, you cannot get to the next person. So you must prosper. You must increase. You must get bigger than you ever did. This year being a year of supernatural accomplishments, I tell you, this is the year to be financially buoyant more than you have ever been. In Jesus' name. Yeah, this, this is the year for that. Meaning that this year you're going to give above and beyond what you have, you've ever given. Yeah. That's what the Lord is talking to you right now. We are eight, seven to eight months away from the CISO in day. He wants you to start preparing. Okay? God wants you to start preparing. I don't know if you've seen the scriptures I've showed you. And I want all of us to unite behind this. Now, look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians 1, 27. It's so important. What I'm telling you now is too important. He says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You didn't catch it. Let's read the Amplified. I'm sure it will help you. Paul is writing to the Philippian church and he's telling, he's giving them instructions concerning things to do. And he gives them this particular instruction. Very important. He says, only be sure as citizens, citizens of what? Of Zion. Okay? To conduct yourselves that your manner of life will be worthy of the good news, the gospel of Christ. He says he wants you to live in a way such that your life is a good expression of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, when someone looks at you, he will remember Jesus Christ. He wants you to be a fragrance by which everybody, the knowledge of God or the knowledge of, knowledge of Christ spreads everywhere you go. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, 15, and 16. Let's read that and then we'll come back to this, okay? This is so important. If you lose me here, you have lost. Don't lose me, okay? Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. So God has a desire of making sure that by your life, the savor of his knowledge, his knowledge is known by everybody everywhere you go. In other words, when they see you, they see Jesus. When they see you, tell me about when they see you, they see Jesus. He wants your life to be so beautiful that your life is an expression, a clear expression of the fact that Jesus is alive. Look at the next verse. 
For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. In them that are saved and in them that perish. Next verse. To the one we are the savor of death unto death. And to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? He says we are the fragrance of God. By, by, by us the knowledge of Christ is known everywhere. Among those who are being saved it is life unto life. When we come into their life we bring them life unto life. But for those who are perishing, and for those who reject the gospel, when we come amongst them, it's a savor or a fragrance of death unto death. Do you get it? Yeah. In other words, our presence reminds them and lets them know that one day they shall be judged. And for the other group that is being saved, our presence brings life and glory into their lives. Wow. wow. What a blessing. What a blessing. So go back to the other place where we're reading. Philippians chapter 1 verse 17. In the, ampli- in the Amplified. 27 rather. In the Amplified. Only be sure as citizens so to conduct yourselves that your manner of life will be worthy of the good news, the gospel of Christ. So that whether I do come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear this of you. I want to hear this concerning your life. That you are standing firm in united spirit and purpose. For what? Striving side by side and contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad tidings, which is the gospel. In other words, he says he wants you, he wants us to be so united and so strong behind making sure the gospel gets to the next. It's called the faith of the gospel. The gospel increasing is the faith of the gospel. Are you seeing it? He says, by us, I want to hear that by you, the gospel is going everywhere. Let's read First Thessalonians chapter one. Let's read from verse four. We'll come back to this. He says, knowing brethren, your election of God. He says he wants you to know that you are elected of God. Say, I'm elected of God. God. In other words, God has handpicked you for himself. What a blessing. Next verse, verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. In other words, we preach to you not only in words, but in demonstration of the power and in demonstration of the Spirit. That's what he's telling you. Then he says, and in much assurance, when we preach to you, much assurance came. You knew that you were really born again, and you knew that God was your, your father indeed. You, were, you got assurances. That's what the, the gospel does. It brings you assurance of your identity in Christ. As you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Next verse, verse 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord. When we preached to you, you became followers of, of us and of the Lord. Having received the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Ghost. He says, even though there was much affliction around you when you received the gospel, some things were not happening right for you, but you had joy in the Holy Ghost. Wow. wow. Verse 7. So that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. You see, their lives were becoming an example for everybody. That's what God wants. He wants your life to become an example of the gospel of Jesus Christ. By you, Jesus is known. By you, the knowledge of Christ is known. It's spread everywhere. What a responsibility. And what a privilege from God. Next verse. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. It says, from you people, the word of the Lord was sounded like a trumpet. It went out loudly, quickly, with speed. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Let's read it. Let's read the Amplified. Maybe you are not seeing it. Let's read the Amplified. Hmm. 
It says, for not only was, has the word concerning and from the Lord resounded forth from you unmistakably in Macedonia and Achaia, but everywhere the report has gone forth of your faith in God, of your leaning of your whole personality on him in complete trust and confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness. So we find that we never need to tell people anything further about it. Your, your lives, your behavior... Your, your, your living, your way of, your man of life has caused the gospel to go beyond you into the next town and the next town and the, and the other. If it's in our day, you will say that because of your giving and because of your presence, because of your being around, the gospel that we are preaching is not known everywhere in the country. How can it be known everywhere in the country when we are not united behind one particular thing? We must all be united behind one particular thing. So he says, I want you to be united in one spirit, in one heart, in one accord, behind the faith of the gospel, contending side by side for the faith of the gospel, to push the gospel to, from one state to the other. Make sure it goes. Make sure it gets to the ends of the world. This gospel we are preaching is not, we don't have intentions of stopping here in Ghana. We want to make sure it gets to every part of the world. When Jesus was sending us, he didn't say stay in Ghana. He said, go everywhere. How do we get everywhere? My cities shall yet through prosperity be spread abroad. So we must unite together side by side in oneness of spirit, oneness of heart, oneness of mind behind the gospel. What do you think of what I'm saying? Jesus everywhere. Jesus must be preached everywhere. It must go everywhere. Don't you get sad when you see other people on TV saying things that are not in the Bible? How come they are on there? They have money, so they are on. They have money, so they are on. I'm looking for Christians who stand and say, because of me, the gospel will move forward. Yeah, the gospel, the gospel that we preach will go to the next level. It will become bigger than it is now. So every year, you see, never back down when it comes to contending for the faith. From us, the gospel must be sounded to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So there's nothing like having oneness of heart, oneness of mind. Remember, he says they were united. Go back to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. So important. These are key things in the scriptures. Key things. Key things. Now, let's read King, uh, King James. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart. They had one heart. One heart. Do you understand that? One heart, the heart is for, there's, 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 a, there's a reason for the heart. Your heart is there for a purpose. Let me show it to you. He, he's not talking about this one that is pumping here. He's talking about the center of your being. Okay, go to Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing stand of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and is a designer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Have you seen it? Yeah. What is the heart there for? The heart is there for thoughts and intents. The heart has thoughts and has intents. I don't know if you're catching it. Yeah. <laughs> that is what the heart, your heart is a place where you have your thoughts, your innermost thoughts and your innermost intentions. For instance, you decide I'm going to marry this girl. The place where you decide that I want to marry this girl is your heart, not your mind. Your mind is different from your heart. Your mind is connected to your heart. Your spirit is connected to your heart. Your heart is a place where the word of God is sold. When Jesus was talking about the parable of the sower, he said that the, the soil is the heart of man. So your heart is the place where the word of God is sown. Your heart is the place where it's the junction of decision for your life. It's the place where your purposes, purposes and intents are, are, are hatched. He says that all these people had one heart. In other words, they had one intent. One intention in life. One aim in life. What was that aim? The gospel must go. 
the gospel must go. And they were going to do everything that they needed to do to make sure the gospel of Jesus Christ moved. So they sold their property. They sold things. They did all kinds of things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God wants us to be like that. And that's how we are going to be. Say that's how we are going to be. Or rather, that's how we are. One heart, one mind. For what purpose? United in, in heart, in purpose, in mind, in love, in one accord, for one thing, for the sake of the gospel. Now go to Philippians chapter 2, from verse 1. This thing is so important to the Lord that Paul was going to give an instruction to the children of, to the children of uh, God in Philippi. And he said a lot of things to say this particular thing. Let's read the Amplified from verse 1 so that we, get, we catch it well. He's going to say something. And before he says it, he stands on several things that we share in common in Christ. So the first thing he says is, so by whatever special appeal to you there is in our mutual dwelling in Christ, I'm making an appeal to you, and I want you to consider accepting this thing I'm going to say to you, considering the fact that we have a mutual dwelling in Christ. Do you understand? By whatever strengthening and consoling and encouraging our relationship in him, in Christ, affords. By whatever persuasive incentive there is in love. By whatever participation in the Holy Spirit we share. And by whatever death of affection and compassionate sympathy. Like he's standing on so many common grounds that we share as children of God. The love of Christ. The Holy Ghost. The fellowship of the Spirit. He says, I'm going to make this request. And I'm making this request like uh, uh, going to see somebody about something. Very special, very important to you. Let's say your wife has left you. Because you did something. And you want to go and apologize to your wife. Will you just go alone and go and apologize? Oh. Your wife is at his, her parents' end. You want to go back for her. You collect, you collect people. Yeah. <laughs> and go with those people, isn't it? Yeah. You look for her pastor. You look for her best friend. Yeah. You look for her, her grandfather, her sister. You look for all kinds of people. So that when you go, you can have common grounds for saying what you want to say. That's what Paul is saying now. I'm going to say something very important. It's so important to me that I'm, I'm imploring you to say yes to what I'm going to say and do this particular thing I'm going to say, standing on these things. So what is it? Next verse. Fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony and being of the same mind and one in purpose. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one harmonious mind and intention. It is too important. There's nothing like we deciding that, oh, we want to do this. And then, hundreds of us have decided that this thing will not do it. So we say we are sowing seeds. And then some of us, we are all brethren. We are all part of the same thing. Nobody's doing what they are doing for selfish reasons. When we took the seed and we said we're going to do this, we've done it there. So we are, not, we are not using the money for other things. We are using it to do what we need to do. We are preaching the gospel. We are finding ways and means. For instance... You see, I don't know if you are watching what we are doing. There's a better internet connection, which is more expensive than the normal ones. The first time, we, we, we had to find something that is even cheaper. But the first one we wanted to get was more than 15000 So that you can get better internet connection and be able to watch freely and happily. Do you see? Uh-huh. There's no, nothing. You see, there are cameras. We want better cameras to do better things so that we can go to the ends of the world. Wouldn't you be happy if you see your church on TBN? Wouldn't you be happy if you see your church in, in Mexico? What is wrong? Why can't we do that in China? Why can't we do that? 
We can. We can if we all unite in oneness of mind and oneness of heart and oneness of intent. We want to do this. This is what we are going to do. And we are going to get it done. So Paul told them, unite. I want to hear this of you. Whenever I hear concern, I want to hear this of you. That you are united in one spirit, in one heart, in one intent, side by side, contending for the faith of the gospel. Contending for the gospel to move from one place to the other. Contending for the, for the knowledge of Jesus Christ to spread abroad by you and I. People are preaching, but their preaching is hidden. It's hidden. Nobody can hear them. Why? Because they don't have the ability to come out in the open. They are staying in obscurity because of money. They have good gospel, beautiful word, but it is not heard. Why? Because the people who are there have not united to make sure that gospel goes. For instance, we have plans of making sure in the next two years, we want to fill this place up and then we'll start going on TV and on radio. Now, when we go on TV, I'm not going to be on, we are not going to be on GTV in one corner somewhere. No, is that, that is, we want to make sure that the gospel we're preaching splashes throughout the world, splashes throughout the country, splashes throughout every place. United in hearts, united in mind, united in purpose, behind one thing. We are sponsors of the gospel. We are going to make sure it goes. And we'll do whatever we need to do to make sure the gospel is not hindered. To make sure churches are planted, churches are built. For instance, we are trying to plant 17 churches this year. Every single church means that we need to, we need to buy, we need to get a place for them to be. Chairs must go. Some equipments must be there. Some things must happen. All that is money. How is that going to happen? You and I, through you and I, deciding that, listen, we are going to give. We are going to make sure the church does not suffer. We are going to make sure the church goes forward. We want to finish this building. Finish it up with beautiful things. So that you can say that, oh, my church, this one is the one on TV. This one is my church. And if, even if they can't come here or the, wherever you are, at least there's something to identify with, something great to identify with. So whoever is in whichever of the term, even if you're under a tree, you know that this is not our end. Because we have one that is beautiful, we will also become beautiful with time. So I'm selling the vision of God to you, which is to preach the gospel everywhere, to make Christ known everywhere. Making Christ known everywhere. 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 Everywhere in the world. Jesus to the world. Yeah, Jesus to the world, to the ends of the world. Not Jesus to Dakuman. Jesus hidden in Dakuman. The gospel we preach can only reach Dakuman. No. It can't get to Tamale. We can't do some things in Tamale. Why not? Why not? Why can't we have a big cathedral in Tamale? For Jesus Christ. Not only thinking about we sleeping in our, our nicer homes, but making sure Jesus has a nice place. What do you think? Wow. Yeah. And we do it over and over. They sold, they sold everything and brought it to the apostles' feet. They sold everything and brought it to the apostles' feet. And Joseph, they mentioned Barnabas because Barnab- what Barnabas sold was very expensive. It's like selling airport land or selling cantonment land. I know, I know a land in cantonment that's $2.5 million. It's like selling East Legon land. There are lands we found that are $2 million. $2 million, one plot, 70 by 100 or something like that. Yeah, two million million dollars. I tell you. Yeah, he sold something like that and brought the money to the to the house of God. It's because of understanding. If you don't have understanding that Jesus is more important than my property, or Jesus is more important than what I own, you will not prepare enough to come and give to Him. If we are united, and that is what I I want us to have. That not just leaders, not just leaders. Why should a church member give a thousand cities? The whole year, your yearly seat to the Lord is a thousand cities. 
No, 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 no. Yes, we quote that, but you are, you are supposed to be bigger than that. Your whole year, you were able to save, one whole year, you were able to save thousands of cities to give to God. No. No. It's not supposed to be like that. It's not supposed to be like that. You can give more. You can do something more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And tomorrow I'm going to call out some of us, those who can give on a certain level, to let us know that I can give on this level, and then we all start preparing for it. Okay? So that we can have a certain kind of, we want to raise a million dollars at once. A million dollars is like what? About 5.8 million Ghana cities. It's very easy to raise. We can do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a year of supernatural accomplishment, isn't it? Now let me show you a group of people who did, who lived their lives along this particular line. United in purpose. Okay? United in heart and in purpose. Go to Genesis chapter 11. Let's read from verse 1. Genesis 11 from verse 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. They all had one language. They spoke the same language. Then it says, and they had one speech. Speech and language in these verses are not the same. If they were the same, they would have, they would have used just one. That they all spoke the same. Because if speech and language are supposed to be the same, isn't it? Uh-huh. But this one, the word speech is different. The Amplified calls it uh, one accent and mode of expression. He's talking about a mode, the way they lived, the way they thought, the way they acted. They had the same language. If they spoke English, everybody was speaking English. Okay? But apart from them speaking English, they had the same way of doing things. They had the same mode of expression. And that was what the church, the early church had. They had the same mode of expression. And Paul says every one of us should have the same mode. We think the same way. We act the same way. We think in a certain way of making the gospel go. We are not united for other things. We are united for one purpose. To make sure the gospel is going forward. Contending for the faith. Look at these people. Verse 2. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shina and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to let us make brick. So they decided on what they wanted to do. They wanted to build a, 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 a tower that towered all the way to heaven. It wasn't possible, but they were doing it. And they were going to get it done. Look at the next verse. And they said, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name. Let us be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. These guys were going against God. God said they should, all, they should go everywhere in the world. But they said they will not go everywhere in the world. Nimrod was leading them. And he was leading them to build a tower against God. Next verse. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one. Not our one. The people is one. Yeah, there's no difference. These guys have one mind. They have one heart. They have one intent. They have one love, one spirit, one accord. This thing that they have said they are going to do, they will do. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing shall be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Nothing shall be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Why? Because they are one. They are one. That's the only reason. They are one. In speech, and in language. And the Lord said, behold, the people are one. Okay, go to verse 6, Amplified. You are showing us something, so let's see it. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And now nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. Nothing will be impossible for them. Even God was shaking in his boots. 
Why? Because of oneness, of purpose, united behind a particular vision. They burnt mortar and had it for brick. They were working, doing everything to make sure this tower was built. Wherever they worked, they worked for this tower to be built. Whatever they did, they did for this tower to be built. Everything they did was for this tower to be built. They gave their all for it, and they were progressing. And God was shocked. And God said, listen, these people will do everything they want to do. Let us do something about them. So God came down. The Bible says he confounded their language. He confounded their language. This is a Tower of Babel. And they left off building the, the Tower of Babel. So when we decide that we are uniting behind the gospel, what can't we do? The question is, what can't we do? Whatever we imagine to do, we'll do. And the imagination is not a bad one. It's for the gospel. It's for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So this evening I came to tell you, it's the beginning, tomorrow we'll continue. I came to tell you that we have to have one purpose. Every child of God in this church. This is something we do every year. I've showed you why we do it. The way we do it. It's a yearly sacrifice and yearly vow to the Lord. It's a vow to the Lord. I'm doing this for your house. I'm doing, you see, and you are not going to give your life, your life savings. All of your life savings. Even if you give all of your life savings, you will not lose. Maybe I should bring you some testimonies for you to hear some of the things that people have had or the experience they've had because of what they've sold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's unite behind the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you love Jesus? If you love Jesus, you do anything for him. You do anything for him. I love him, so I'll do anything for him. I'll do anything for him. There's nothing I'll not do for him. How about you? How about you? I'm calling you tonight to start preparing with all of your hearts because of your love for the Lord that I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to give you my best. David said, I will not give you something that will not cost me. If you know you give a thousand cities and it's nothing to you, it's chicken change, don't give a thousand cities. If you know if you give 10,000 Ghana cities, it's chicken change, don't give 10,000 Ghana cities. If you know you give 100,000 Ghana cities, it's chicken change, don't give 100,000 Ghana cities. Give more than that. Let it touch you. Give something that you will know that I have given something to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you ready? To spread the gospel. To let the gospel sound from us to the ends of the world. Close your eyes and thank God for what I shared with you. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.